This podcast is brought to you by the good people over at Gamefly. With over 9,000 titles for the PS4, PS3, Xbox One, Xbox 360, Nintendo Switch, Wii, and other consoles, there's no better time for gamers to make the most of their systems by using Gamefly to play all the new and classic games for as little as 32 cents a day. To start your 30-day free trial, head on over to cinemageekly.com slash Gamefly or click the support us link in the show notes for this episode. Listening to a podcast from the Cinema Geekly Podcast Network. We're the geeks you deserve and the ones you need right now. No, no, no. Tony, Tony, Tony. Enough. What you need to do is congratulate the new number one contender for the AEW Championship. Well, the fact is, next week you will wrestle John Moxley. Whoa, 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 whoa. You saw for yourself, Tony. John Moxley is clearly physically incapacitated. Which in layman's terms means a forfeit. So you are looking at the number one contender. It ain't going down like that, brother. I don't care if I'm blind, if I got one eye, no eyes, I don't care if I'm half dead. I will be there next week. I will kick your ass, because that title shot belongs to me. Oh, wow. You control, guys. You control. This is a very combustible situation. brand new episode of the Elita Cinema Geekly's AEW podcast. It is Anthony Lewis, Nick Montez, and we are back to talk more AEW Dynamite on TNT. It's the bash at the beach, Nick, in Ooh. January. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> it, look, it seemed out of place a little bit to me to do. I know they're in Florida. I know next week they're doing the show from the Jericho Cruise. So, yeah, I'm sure the weather was okay. Uh, wherever they were in in Florida, but oh man, it just seems foreign up to me here in, in Michigan, where you are as well. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was just snowy and icy here. So no, it's snowing outside right now. It's, it's yes. <laughs> if if anything, it felt like a slap in the face to me. I think that they're just they're throwing this in my face that we're doing a bash at the beach and the weather's so nice, and okay. uh, it's terrible here. Uh, before we talk about the episode for this week, uh, I want to quickly run over what happened on AEW Dark. Uh, this was uh, Dave Brown, who was calling the opener last week, uh, along with everybody else, the legendary Memphis announcer who was the partner of Lance Russell. Uh, it was him and Excalibur the whole episode, and Dave Brown was really good on Dark. Uh <laughs> He was a surprisingly good. He was, you know, like an old school announcer, but not like Jim Ross old school, where he's just his disdain for some of the the new style of wrestling sometimes peeks through. Not with Dave Brown. This man was a, a billion percent professional and put over all of these young talents and everything that they did. Um, he just did it in an old school pro wrestling call kind of way, and he was awesome. Uh, this was the show where they did the Memphis wrestling legends segment. 
uh, and they had all these people in the ring and Justin Roberts essentially just did a really nice introduction for all of them. It's like, you know, here's Austin Idol. Here's all of the things that he accomplished during his career, like that sort of thing. Um, and, uh, these people all got, uh, great reactions. Uh, and they also did a 10 bell tribute to everyone who had, uh, passed away. So, uh, the matches on the show, uh, they had, uh, Darby Allen defeating Brandon Cutler, uh, pretty, like, if you've ever want to see Darby Allen get no reaction, watch this match. <laughs> really? Because this crowd didn't seem super into him when he came out, and Brandon Cutler seems like the nicest guy, but, and he's not bad in the ring, but this crowd saw him as a nothing and he doesn't wrestle with a lot of pizzazz or charisma. And this was not Darby just wiping the floor with him. They kind of went 50-50 and Darby beat him. Uh, so, yeah, I, not, a, not a move I would have done. Uh, Nyla Rose and Shanna were scheduled to have a match. Of course, this would make sense after Nyla Rose attacked Shanna and then uh, kind of infamously powerbombed her on top of Rick Knox, whom she had previously already powerbombed through a table. This match never got started as Shanna jumped Nyla Rose at the entranceway and uh, they fought all along ringside and uh, Shanna ended up spearing Nyla Rose uh, to the outside, like uh, through the ropes, off the apron, to the outside, through a table and uh, the referees and agents and stuff came out to separate them. So they're still feuding. And uh, the main event was the Gun Club, Austin and Billy Gunn defeating the team of Sean Spears and Peter Avalon. Uh, Peter Avalon did refer to Austin Gunn as Ass Boy, and the crowd took this and ran with it and chanted for Austin Gunn throughout the match as Ass Boy. And he played into it, I guess. Uh, it was fine. This was not the, the best episode of Dark. Um, should we talk about the big business side news of AEW real quick before we talk about the episode? I definitely think we should. Okay. So, news broke that uh, AEW and TNT and Warner Media have renegotiated their contract already. So, their original contract was, was definitely not for, whatever it was, six months Hmm. Uh, it wasn't even for a year. I'm pretty sure it was for a couple of years. Uh, but, uh, as we've noted before, it was reported that TNT was basically hoping they're looking at 500,000 viewers. And they're like, we'll see where we go from there. And this show has, uh, constantly done better than that. Uh, and including the DVR numbers, they're doing well over a million every single week. I think they're averaging 1.2 every week, and there's some weeks that they've done higher. Um, they've constantly finished in the top 20 in the cable rankings, oftentimes finishing in the top 10, and that TNT was very, very happy, and so happy, in fact, that they've already renegotiated their TV deal and signed a new four-year contract, which is going to keep AEW Dynamite on TNT through the end of 2023. The four-year deal is worth $175 million, which Whoa. is about $45 million per year. Uh, and it includes TNT having an option for 2024 at a significantly increased price. Wow. So if they continue to do good through then, TNT can option them for another year and for even more money. By the way, this 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 money deal already makes AEW profitable. So they are now nice. turn, they are now turning a profit. They haven't even been on TV for a year. They haven't even been running shows for a year. Technically the company has existed for a year, but they double or nothing was in what, March? Uh I think even no, it was like May. Yeah. Uh yeah, it was after Mania, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Um so yeah, they haven't even been running shows for a year yet. And the company is already now turning a profit. The TV, uh, the new deal also includes adding another hour of television later this year, which would be taped on Wednesdays but air on another night, likely on TNT, but it could be on another Turner station. Um, 
of course, there's you know, they also have True TV, they have TBS, and uh, they're also going to have HBO Max as an outlet, which would be a streaming service. Oh, wow. Um, so it could be on any of those. Now, uh, there's been some a wide variety of different reports about the new TV show. I have seen people say AEW Dark is going to continue on uh, on YouTube, and this is going to be a different show. I've seen other reports stating that, they're, no, they're going to take Dark and put it on TV, and they're going to rebuff it a little bit by adding some... Uh, there's going to be matches at the tape, but they're also going to have like documentary-style profiles on the wrestlers to get to know them as people and things like that. Um, I've heard uh, varying reports. But, uh, yeah, so so much for the whole AEW is going to die in a year thing that some weird people on the internet seem to think was going to happen. Uh, it's not. Uh, for everybody who thought, like, Orange Cassidy was going to, to kill this deal for AEW or even the Nightmare Collective, and we'll get to them. But, uh, yeah, a brand new TV deal already. And the original TV deal had TNT paying for the production costs and sharing ad revenue. Um, this is a straight-up TV rights deal now. They are now just being paid by TNT to make the show. So that's great news. Uh, Thank and, you very much, Turner, for keeping us podcasting till 2023 at least. At least. <laughs> so, yeah, if, if, uh, if we were hoping this, this was going to fade out anytime soon... Uh, those hopes have been dashed. Uh, look, and this also uh, loosens the purse strings a little bit. So if they really want to go after a talent, uh, they will be able to do it. Uh, one more yes. thing that we should mention, this is AEW adjacent, but Marty Skrull re-signed with Ring of Honor, which came as a, a shock to me. Um, it's It wasn't a shock after I heard that they were paying him... Uh, quote, main roster WWE money. So that could be upwards of 500000 a year because uh, there's a lot of dudes in WWE making that money right now on the main roster for way less dates, obviously, than WWE. And he apparently is, depending on the reports you read, either uh, the head booker now of Ring of Honor or is an important part of the creative team, but not the head booker, uh, depending on which reports you've read. So he now has a large creative stake in Ring of Honor. He's now got a gigantic salary. And also, uh, he is free to work indies and New Japan. And the word on the street is that he uh, is trying to work on forming a bridge between Ring of Honor and AEW, uh, which would also allow him to then do stuff with AEW. So, crazy times, Nick. Super crazy times. And, and, you know, when I originally heard he re-signed, I was like, what? But then when I heard all that creative, big money contract, I was like, it definitely makes sense. Um, and congratulations to him. That's, I mean, if I were a wrestler mm -hmm. and I was going to be offered something like that, you know, who wouldn't want to be able to have some say in the booking and what's going on? Like, right. I think that's anyone's dream who played with wrestling figures when they were a kid, you know? Sure. That's definitely my dream. Like, I... Um, I was one of those weird kids who didn't want to be a wrestler. I wanted to be the guy who ran the wrestling show. Exactly. Uh, you know, one of my favorite games as a kid growing up was like extreme, uh, what was that? Extreme warfare revenge or something. It was like a, it was yeah. just like a sim. Yeah. Like a sim, like you booked everything. Um, I love that stuff. Uh, extreme warfare revenge. I think it was called something like that. XWR. Uh, I love those games, and yeah, I, look, uh, for me, that would be, sure, you're going to pay me $500,000, like, I won't even wrestle, I'll just book stuff, <laughs> and, please exactly. me, and please pay me that much, uh, that would rule. Uh, Alright, so let's talk about episode number 15 of uh, AEW Dynamite from the Watsco Center in Florida, and it's Bash at the Beach, there's a Rocky Johnson graphic at the beginning of the show, of course, which is... Uh, very nice considering the tragic news uh, that Rocky Johnson passed away, the father of Dwayne the Rock Johnson. And we cut to the arena in which JR also lists off several other 
uh, recent deaths, including AAA's La Parca, who is not the original La Parca. Um, that is, L.A. Park is still going strong, uh, but that is the uh, La Parca that replaced him in AAA after they had a, a falling out. And uh, the this somber, kind message from J.R., was immediately followed by a shot of a super hot girl in a bikini. <laughs> that felt really disjointed. And by the way, I should note, there were quite a few people, uh, and I got a twinge of it as well. There were quite a few people who just didn't really like the idea of a, a girl being there for eye candy like that. It just felt weird in 2020. Uh, I think they did this for Fighter Fest too, and people were kind of just like, I don't know. It didn't sit quite right. Like, here's some girls to look at. Uh, it felt a little weird. The show opening was kind of weird that they just went straight into the match with no intros or anything. If this is yes. supposed to be Bash at the Beach, you would expect like a big intro yes. video package kind of thing. So. I uh, And I, I noted here, I'd give this set a 7 out of 10 for Bash at the Beach appropriateness. <laughs> it wasn't bad. Uh, but it's nothing like that awesome WCW set from, uh, back in the day where they literally just put like a sandy beach and like a boardwalk. Um, they came close. They came close. They tried to, to dress it up as much as they could here. It wasn't too bad. Surfboards Uh, around the entrance ramp was just beautiful. (laughs) Yes. Uh, the show opens with, uh, a match, as you noted, in the ring already. Hangman Page and Kenny Omega, Santana and Ortiz, best friends, and the Young Bucks in a four-corner number one contenders match. Well, the winners will face SCU next week on a boat. <laughs> uh, Excalibur noted here at the get-go, this is something I actually kind of liked. Uh, he noted that Rick Knox is the referee for this match, and he is so because he is considered the tag team specialist referee. Which, oh. I sort of like that Refs sort of have these designated, like, Rick Knox has a lot of experience doing tag team matches and handling tag team matches. So that's kind of his specialty, refereeing tag matches. I sort of like, that's a little detail, like a tiny detail, but I really like it. Um, Nick Jackson and Trent uh, are great. Uh, they do a great standoff exchange at the beginning. Uh Jim Ross, thinking he's still calling New Japan here, literally just calls him Beretta and nothing else, even though he's not Beretta at all. He's not Trent Beretta. He's just Trent. Uh, <laughs> so he's already started off strong tonight. Uh, Kenny and- just makes up names for wrestlers. That's all he does. <laughs> he does it all the time. Jungle Boy Jack, Beretta. I'm what- surprised he still hasn't thrown Ambrose out at Mox yet. <laughs> Dean Moxley. Uh... <laughs> Mox Bros, uh, Kenny, uh, Kenny Omega and Matt Jackson square off, but Santana and Ortiz break it up. Kenny and the Young Bucks work together against them. Uh, long Northern Express on Trent, uh, who on the last go round uh, instead springs up and hits a tornado DDT on Matt. That was good. Uh, oh, yeah. Chuck Taylor comes in, he runs wild, uh, but Santana and Ortiz break up the hug. Uh, Santana and Ortiz, they run wild, hit a bunch of double team moves. That was awesome. Uh, they hit the uh, they hit the Santana and Ortiz flavored three amigos. Uh, Matt tags. Uh, Matt has a chance for a hot tag. He can pick Kenny or Hangman Page, and he picks Kenny. Subtlety there because Page is not aligned with the elite anymore, or at least he's trying not to be. Uh, Kenny runs wild. Uh, they do, Kenny and, uh, Hangman do this great, you can't escape thing where, uh, Kenny does the, the rolling senton and Hangman does a shooting star and then Kenny does a moonsault and then Hangman does a moonsault to the floor. Uh, then I just wrote dives everywhere. Everyone's diving all over the (laughs) place. Uh, Trent then superplexes Matt onto everybody. Uh, they try this whole everyone's suplex thing where they all try to suplex one another and like one big chorus line. And, uh, it takes orange Cassidy to come in to, uh, to decide, uh, the momentum in this and, uh, everyone gets suplexed. Uh, he does it with his hands in his pockets. (laughs) He did. Yes. Uh, 
which is great. Uh, they do the, uh, oh God, what did Jerry Lynn used to call his pile driver? The, uh, oh. I was remembering cradle. The, the cradle pile driver. Uh, yeah. Yeah. They do, uh, a double cradle pile driver by, uh, best friends, strong zero on Kenny, but it is broken up by the young bucks. Super kicks everywhere, but one almost hits Hangman Page, but they hold up. Uh, Page then tags himself in. There's a V-trigger buckshot sandwich on Chuck Taylor and Kenny and Hangman. Get the win. What did you think of the opener? Just craziness. <laughs> craziness. Like, not definitely what I expected and... It's it's exactly what you want out of these four teams. It was a wonderful match. Great way to start the show. Um, I, I, I there isn't much more for me to say about it. I just loved it. I will say this though. I felt like every time I was going to write something down for my notes, Jr. or someone would say it on commentary. <laughs> I because at one point he said that Chuck Taylor is so underrated, and I agree with that. Chuck yeah. can be an amazing wrestler. Like he's he's a joke wrestler because he, I think to some degree he doesn't give a shit what anyone thinks, but yeah. Man, that's I think he's just amazing. I think um, it was Tony Schiavone who called him underrated, actually. I think you're right, yeah. yeah. Um Yeah, this match was just fantastic. I gave it four stars. I loved it. Um I came close to giving this four stars. I really like this as well. Uh I thought maybe it overstayed its welcome just a tad. Maybe it went a little too long. Uh maybe there were like a thing or two that they could have cut out. But for the most part, uh, they kept the crowd and I mean, everybody looked great here. Like everybody was crisp. Everything looked good. Uh, and this all came together, uh, really well. I went three and three quarters, uh, grapple 3.9. So yeah, they're, they're right there with you, uh, sir. And, uh, <laughs> post-match, um, the Bucks and Kenny and Hangman made up. Uh, they were able to to raise hands. Although Hangman Page, clearly uh, not the same person he was some months ago. And he uh, had to go grab some more beers from the audience, which... Oh, of course. Kenny tried to take away from him, but he just grabbed another beer. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Cody comes out for a promo, runs down MJF stipulations, says it's obvious what Maxwell Jacob Freeman is doing. He is stalling for time. Uh, he notes that a lot of people, uh, all the old-timers, love MJF. He's a throwback. He's an old-school heel. Just a weird thing to say on TV in the body of the, the show. But uh, says he's not a throwback. He's lazy. He's not a less is more guy. Uh, he's less because he doesn't have any more to give. Like he doesn't uh, possess enough skill or whatever, which is weird because he does like flips and stuff in the match later on the show, but whatever. Uh, he eventually accepts every single term that MJF provided, uh, says that he's failed as a mentor, but this is not MJF's story. MJF is just a chapter in Cody's. And when this is all said and done, he's going to give MJF his very own scar. I thought this was a good promo, but not Cody's best. What about you? I agree. I, um, first of all, we got to talk about Cody's outfit, man. He's rocking that Miami Vice. Gear. Oh, yeah, he sure was. He was in true bash at the beach uh, uh, tire today. Yes. Um, I. I love the comment that he made about MJF having a pageant mommy and daddy who paraded him on the Rosie O'Donnell show. show yes. Yes. That was, <laughs> um, that he lives rent free in MJF's mind that he doesn't need to touch him. But I don't know. I, maybe I was kind of hoping after last week when he refused to comment on the stipulations that he was going to find another way around this mm-hmm. to get a match with MJF. This is just more of Cody kind of being a dumb baby face in my opinion. A little bit. Yeah. Some of it. Uh, I thought for still sure. Good, though. I thought for sure. I mean, uh, well, look, they, they ended up announcing, announcing the Wardlow match. So, 
but quite frankly, uh, I figure there's an easy way around all of this, which is when it comes time for like the first thing that has to happen is the, the whipping. And when it comes time to do this, he goes to whip Cody and Cody gets the belt from MJF and he whips MJF instead, which of course breaks both of those two stipulations. Uh, but the humiliation of MJF would be so great that he demands to fight Cody so Cody outsmarts MJF and still gets the match he wants, but yeah, well, I don't know. We'll see how they we'll see how they play this out. Mm. They could still do something like that, but we'll see. Hope they do. Uh, Joey Janela is backstage. Says he wanted uh, nothing to do with Penelope Ford. She punched him in the balls. He's like, look, I I was happy enough to just let you go on your own, but. She's just proving what he always knew. She can't create any buzz for herself. She can't get over for herself unless it's attached to Joey Janela's name. Uh, it says that if Kip Sabian wants some, he can come and get it. Uh, it says that uh, 2019 did not go how he wanted it to, but 2020 can, and he has a match with Phoenix next week. So... That could be really good. Oh, for sure. I'm excited for that. Well, let's go to something not good. Uh, <laughs> next, Nightmare Collective. Now, this was originally supposed to be Awesome Kong and Mel, uh, but just before the show, I, I want to say maybe like a few hours before, um, AEW put out uh, a piece of news saying that Awesome Kong was not cleared to wrestle via an illness and that Brandy Rhodes was taking her place, which... Like, I know Awesome Kong is very limited, but she still has a presence. And um, it's not like Brandy looked bad in this match or anything particularly, but it didn't add to my excitement. So it was Brandy Rhodes and Mel against Hikaru Shida and Chris Statlander. Uh, I don't even know what happened here. I just wrote goofy-ass shit with Luther. I think he was trying to, like, block Shida, and Shida kind of, like, tapped him with a kendo stick. Didn't look like it was particularly hard, and Luther let her by, I think. Um, I wrote here, Mel wrestling like someone who isn't a wrestler. Like, she's a wrestler, right? Yeah. I mean, is she good? Like, I've, I'm, I've never seen her before. I've heard of her, but I've never seen her before. I have no idea. Well, I, <laughs> I don't think she's good from this, though, truthfully. Judging by this, she's not. Either that... Or she's incredible because Mel is was, at least in storyline, they've never discussed that she is a women's wrestler who has wrestled on Independence. As far as anybody knows, she's a fan who volunteered to join. So maybe she's the greatest wrestler ever who's like, well, I'm not supposed to be a wrestler, so I'm going to go in there and wrestle poorly. <laughs> so maybe maybe that was her mindset, but it didn't work trying for this match. You trying to tell me she's method wrestling? Yes. Yeah, she's playing 3D chess. Um, crowd is dead bad guys have the advantage and there's a commercial break back from the break and the crowd is still quiet they're not completely dead a brave few people are chanting for Hikaru Shida but it's not many Uh, Brandy Rhodes in Statlander in she tries to beg off Uh, Michinoku driver that Mel breaks up Uh, spear on Statlander for a two from Brandy uh, a swinging slam by Mel on Statlander for a two. Uh, dead again, the crowd is. Superplex by Sheeta. Moonsault by Statlander is broken up. Uh, Statlander hits the Big Bang Theory on Mel for the win. Thank God the match is over. Uh, what did you think of this attempt to ruin the careers of Hikaru Sheeta and Chris Statlander by associating them with this match, Nick? Man... This is it, not working. No. Is the gimmick, <laughs> like, not interesting? Yeah. The, the match isn't even good. <laughs> like, like, I thought the coolest thing about this was going to be Kong getting in there and, you know, playing the big monster heel, but then we didn't even get that. Um, you know, there's, there's not too much to say about it. It's just a big disappointment, especially when you got such talent in there like Sheeta and Statlander. Like, they're just being wasted in this type of match. 
Yeah. Um, I gave this... I really didn't know what to give this. I think I gave it one and a half stars. and I, That was just because I like half of what's in there. I just... Mm-hmm. It was a poor attempt. Yeah. Um, the weird thing is, is that Sheeta and Statlander didn't even look all that good in here. Like, they were brought down to the Nightmare Collective level. There were a few things that they did that weren't looking particularly good either. Uh, a, lot, a lot of Sheeta's strikes just did not look like there was any weight behind any of them. Um, I think Chris Statlander tried to do this moonsault off the apron, where it looked like she moonsaulted and then just slapped like Luther on the hand. Back. Yeah. <laughs> moonsault, moonsault back chop by Statlander. Uh, some, so yeah, stuff just wasn't looking good. I gave it one and a half as well. Um, ah, man. Yeah. That was, you know, I, I don't want to say disappointing because it's kind of what I expected, but yeah, 1.46 from grapple. Uh, so we are all in agreement on mm. that one. Uh, next, hopefully, uh, Michael Nakazawa, Brandon Cutler, Hangman Page, Kenny Omega, and the Young Bucks aren't watching because the Dark Order made it clear that they are evil and trying to make them, them evil as well. It just basically came out and said, here's everyone we're recruiting. Like, I hope the Young Bucks didn't watch this because only fans were theorizing about Brandon Cutler. They were sort of hinting at it on, like, BTE a little bit. Uh, but here... They just come out and say, we're trying to recruit them. Like, I hope the Young Bucks weren't watching this. Because they just gave everything away. Like, they're, the element of surprise here is is now gone. They just made their plans. Laid, they laid them to bear. I thought the presentation of this was fine, but it was a little weird. It was like uh, the villain monologuing. Like, since you're about to die, Mr. Bond, let me tell you my plan. Uh <laughs> And then he tells him his plan, James Bond escapes, and then thwarts the bad guy. Like, uh, yeah, that was weird. But I thought it presented fine, but the content itself was a little strange. I don't know why they did this in this manner. But yeah. Uh, I have no idea who the exalted one is. Couldn't tell. but Be anybody now. They did sign Taz to a multi-year deal. Cody announced this on Twitter. Uh, so, you know, maybe like how Taz, when Taz joined Aces and Eights in TNA, uh, maybe he's the exalted one of the Dark Order. Nah, he spoke too proper to be Taz. That's not going to be. I kind of hope it is. I want him to pull off that robe. I want him to be, it was me, brother. It was me all along. I lead the Dark Order. Survive if we let you. Uh, and they all change their gear to black and orange. It'll, it'll rule. Oh my goodness. I'm actually excited for Taz to be on. Every time Taz has been on commentary, I think he's been good. So I'm pretty excited uh, he's joining the team. Absolutely. Replace JR with him, please. Uh, <laughs> what a weird team that would be, by the way, of Excalibur, Taz, and Tony Schiavone. What a weird team that would be, but I'm sure they'd be good. Um, Sammy Guevara and John Moxley, we were told earlier in the week now that uh, uh, this match was part of a a kind of a mini tournament, essentially. The winner of this match faces the winner of the main event on a boat, and the winner of that match faces Chris Jericho for the championship. Uh, His entrance, uh, Sammy Guevara's entrance came up against a commercial break, and Justin, I don't know if you noticed this, but Justin Roberts rushed his intro. Uh, and the Spanish card, some of Yeah, yes. He's like, this match, the following contest is scheduled for one fall. Coming to the ring, they call him a Spanish god, Sammy Guevara. Uh, and they just went to break. I'm like, holy crap. They were really leaning up against that break. Uh, Moxley showed up in the car, the Ford GT. And somebody pointed out. I'm trying to remember who, but they wondered if this specific car was specifically chosen because of an incident, uh, a while ago that involved John Cena and this car. Apparently, uh, he got in trouble because he had a Ford GT and he sold it. And apparently this is like some car. When you bought it, you have to sign some sort of contract agreeing that you won't sell the car. 
because of its how much it's worth, I guess. Or it's oh yeah, I've heard that yeah. limited nature, and I'm wondering if the, somebody brought it up in a conversation, and Tony Khan's like, "My dad has that car," and they're like, "Oh my god, we should use it in a story." Uh, but anyway, uh, Mox shows up with the car. Um, they they start the match. Sammy hits a springboard cutter and a dive to seize control. Uh, Moxley slaps him in the face, gives him the regal knee and X-Plex for it too. Uh, teases a paradigm shift on the apron. Sammy with a stomp on the apron? Kinda? Uh, picture and picture break. Um, they come back from the break. Moxley makes his comeback. Hits a headlock driver on uh, Sammy for a two. Uh, teases doing a paradigm shift off the top rope, but Sammy hits the Spanish fly. Uh, gets Moxley on his shoulders of the torture rack, go to sleep uh, for a two. Crowd actually almost bought that for a minute. Uh, Guevara then goes for a moonsault, but Moxley catches him out of midair and puts him in a choke, and Sammy taps out. Uh, before we talk about the match-ending angle, uh, what did you think of the match, Nick? I thought it was fine for what it was. Sammy going out there and showing he's the man again has incredible selling when he took um i think it was like a ddt and he like once again stood up straight on his head and fell oh, yeah, over that was the uh, the headlock driver the the original yeah. dirty deeds that dean ambrose <laughs> did before he switched to the double arm ddt yeah he he fuck he's amazing like i sammy's gonna be a big deal in a couple of years mm-hmm. uh he uh, he did like a corkscrew dive also that was really impressive that stood out to me yep um I thought him catching him out of a uh, uh, move off the top rope into that choke was an awesome way to end the match. Mm-hmm. Um, I give this one three and a quarter stars. I liked it a lot. I'm not sure what Sammy was going for there with that moonsault, but uh, yeah. maybe he's yeah. going to go for like a moonsault, a top rope moonsault back elbow. Maybe that's what he was going to go for, or a mm-hmm. top rope moonsault senton, and uh, to a standing John Moxley. Um, I liked it as well. I thought it was a good showing for Sammy Guevara. Uh, yeah, I thought it was fine. I went three. Grapple went 3.35. Uh, what did we get after that? Uh, oh, so the lights go out on John Moxley when they come back on. All of the rest of Inner Circle are in the ring. Uh, a bit of an embarrassing moment here when they're like, Moxley has nowhere to escape! And... He has one whole side of the ring completely inner circle free that he could have just turned around and dove out of those ropes and left because he was not surrounded. They were all behind him. But John Moxley, I guess Nick is a fighter. Um, he chose to fight these men instead. Um, Hager grabs him and Jericho whips him with the AEW championship plate side, plate side up. So I'm sure that sucked. Uh, Hager hits him with a knee to the balls. Sammy, even now that he's conscious again, gets up and takes some cheap shots too, slapping Moxley in the face. And then Jericho grabs one of the spikes off of his ring jacket and spikes Moxley in the eye. Um, the referees eventually come out to break all of this up and tend to John Moxley's wounded eyeball. Uh, Jen Decker is backstage, wants answers. Uh, the mic kept cutting out on Jericho here. I don't think he was being censored. Uh, Hmm. I think the mic just kept cutting out. Uh, Jericho says that this is on Mox, says that Pac and Darby Allen should thank him because whoever wins, they're the number one contender now. Says they're going to kick Jurassic Express's ass on a boat. And he says, see ya, Mox, even though you can't see us. (laughs) That was a great line at the end. He also said, we're going to keep an eye out for you since you only have one. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> great heel, great heel line. Uh, it reminds me of those old, uh, those old fight scenes in movies. Whenever you'd do something to somebody, and then you'd make a pun based on of whatever it is that you did to him. Uh, it almost was getting to Austin Powers level. He'll never be the head of a corporation again. <laughs> Don't lose your head over it. Uh, yes. Um, the butcher and the blade and MJF. Versus QT Marshall, Dustin Rhodes, and Diamond Dallas Page, who Dang. quite honestly looked really good in this match. Yes. He was is an old man, 
but this speaks to the power of yoga, Nick. Because <laughs> this dude clearly had lost a step from his prime, but for a guy his age, he wrestled without a shirt. He had his old gear on. And he moved around pretty damn good. Uh, MJF is wearing a shirt that says, I banged Dallas's daughters. What a <laughs> dick. Uh, MJF yeah. avoids DDT, uh, DDP. Uh, QT Marshall gets in. He's a dick to QT Marshall. Uh, Dustin gets in and he runs wild for a bit. MJF... Uh, uh, oh, MJF hits Dustin. Uh, he puts the... Like, Wardlow gives him the dynamite diamond ring, and MJF punches uh, Dustin while he's on the apron with the ring on his fist. Uh, Heels in charge, going into a commercial break, and we're back. Dustin hot tags DDP, and he looks great. He's wiping out everybody. Hits Andy Williams with diamond cutter. Uh, gets hit low, though, by MJF. Uh, Dustin tags in. Literally does the Panama Sunrise on MJF. Adam Cole's middle rope bouncing Canadian destroyer. Diamond cutter from Paige on MJF. Dustin goes for the pin, but it's broken up. Uh, QT Marshall does his not-so-great Sasuke special. Uh, Excalibur just said the QT special. <laughs> uh, DD, then I wrote DDP with a fucking dive. I didn't do a 630, Nick, like I suggested he should do this uh, last week. But he, in fact, did a medium crossbody to the outside, which is pretty impressive, all things considered. I'm not sure I ever saw DDP do an actual dive to the outside during his heyday. So that says something here. Uh, while all this lunacy is happening, MJF cheaply schoolboys QT Marshall for the win. Uh, on Twitter later... Uh, MJF mocked Cody Rhodes, noting that uh, there are flip dives and Canadian destroyers, but the thing that won the match was a schoolboy. So maybe less is more. Uh, what did maybe. you think? What did you think of the six man, Nick? I was very impressed with DDT or DDT. I can't say his name right. DDP. Yes. Um, yes. I, I love that he came out in his old gear and then he was dropping diamond cutters and just really given a great advertisement for DDPY right there. Holy cow. Like you want you want to be doing this at my age? Well, you got to get started right now, pal. Bang. Feel the bang. Yes. <laughs> um, also, I don't think I've ever noticed this before. QT Marshall, he's rocking a Carlito gimmick. He brings the apple out, yeah. of, it, out of it. <laughs> His entrance video is full of apples. I guess it's because he's from the Big Apple, and that's he's, something that they advertise. from the Big Apple. Clearly, this is a feud they're going to set up for in the future. They're going to bring in Carlito, and they're going to feud Car who, who gets to do the Apple gimmick. Carly versus QT. I like it. Mm -hmm. um, I gave this one three stars. I thought it was a good match. Mm -hmm. Solid match. Yeah. Um, I, was sitting at, I've, I was sitting at three, but then I thought about it, and I love DDP's performance in this match so much that I gave it a whole nother quarter. So I went three oh, yeah. and a quarter. I, I just thought... It was ridiculous how good he looked. And also, by the way, I also, an, another part of that quarter star earned by uh, MJF's Shawn Michaels versus Hulk Hogan-esque selling of <laughs> the turnbuckle shot. So DDP gave him, like, the nine head head rams into the turnbuckle. And uh, got it got broken up. And after he wiped out these other guys, he goes to run MJF across the ring and give him the dreaded 10th. Uh, head slam into the buckle, and MJF not only his not only does his head slam into the buckle, but his feet leap to the middle rope, and he moonsault sells this turnbuckle slam. Uh, <laughs> it was it was hilarious. I loved it. Three and a quarter. Uh, grapple a little less kind. Two point nine two. They were a little bit closer to you, Nick. Um, okay. Let me see here. Jen Decker is backstage with SCU. They are about to talk about their tag team title match next week when drunk-ass Paige steps in wanting a fight, says he's going to kick all three of their asses. Uh, <laughs> Kenny has to usher him away and says, look, look, we respect you guys, 
and uh, we're looking forward to this match. We want to win those tag team titles, but we are going to have a gentlemanly match next week, which to me suggests that they may have anything but, uh, especially with uh, Paige kind of teetering around right now. Yeah. Uh, this is when they announce Wardlow and Cody. The cage match is set for the Atlanta ep- uh, episode of Dynamite. Uh, then we get our main event. The Bastard Pack and Darby Allen. Winner faces John Moxley. Uh, so great exchange early on as both of these guys are switching momentum back and forth. Uh, Darby gets swung into the steps, powerbomb style, heading into a picture-in-picture break. During the picture-in-picture break, Pack powerbombs Darby on the steps while standing on the steps. That is crazy. They do replay this, by the way, uh, after mm. they come back from the break. Uh, Pack is wiping the floor with them, uh, literally, and uh, they get up. Uh, he gets Darby up on the ropes, but Darby catches him in a crucifix bomb off the middle rope, which was really cool. Uh, cool. Darby does the coffin drop to the outside onto Pack, gets him back into the ring, hits the over the top stunner and the code red for a two. Uh, Pat cuts him off with a big Larry. Just cuts him down with this clothesline. Uh, they do this uh, fish out of water exchange. He goes for a springboard coffin drop, but Cat, Pat catches him with a German. Gives him a brutal Liger bomb for a two count. Uh, he goes up to the top. Darby meets him up there and is trying to fight uh, Pack off, but Pat headbutts him a couple times. Darby goes down and he gives him the black arrow onto. Uh, onto Darby's back, and it is Pack and Moxley on a boat next week. Uh, before we talk about the ending segment, what did you think of the match? And this was definitely the best match we had this week. I think um, that crucifix bomb off the top was incredible. Doing coffin drop. Darby has like no regard for his own safety. No. And and maybe I shouldn't be cheering that on, but it is damn impressive to watch. Just. The match started off so fast paced. He dropped that big drop kick on him. Suicidas out of the. He just looks like a freaking missile every time that you see him coming out of the ring with one of those. Yeah, he's a maniac. Darby is going to be the man. Like he's someone that I think is going to be AEW champion one day. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you'd be a fool not to promote him in a big way. Like I know he's a smaller guy, but. I, I love Darby Allen. He's a great wrestler. Um, for this one, I also went four stars with it. I just was really impressed with what they were doing. I would love to see another exchange between these guys, but for what we saw here, I was just blown away. Uh, I really liked the match as well. I, For me, it didn't quite get enough time, I think, mm-hmm. uh, for for me for it to hit that, that four-star level. Uh, but I thought it was another really good match. Uh, this was my second favorite match. I think I liked the the four-way uh, in the opener better. But still a really good match. Uh, and these two guys worked really well together. I'd like to see what they could do um, in, a, in a longer format, I think. Uh, I went three and a half, and Grapple went 3.82. Oh. So they were, a little, they were a little bit closer to the four-star rating there. Uh, after the match, Tony Schiavone is in the ring with Pack, who says that he's already the number one contender. Tony's like, no, 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 like you got to wrestle John Moxley. He's like, look, Moxley's not going to be competing. I win by default. Uh, so Chris Jericho, I'm coming for you. Watch out. I'm going to take your title. Uh, and then we get Moxley. We cut back to the backstage where they're trying to load Moxley into an ambulance still, which like, why didn't they do this like forever ago? This is like so many segments ago that this this thing took place. Uh, but they're still trying to load him in there. Uh, he busts out of the ambulance. He walks out looking like Snake from like a Metal Gear Solid game or something. Uh, Metal Gear Mox. <laughs> Metal Gear Moxley. And uh, he walks out to the ring. He's got a microphone. And he's like, look, it doesn't matter if he only has one eye. He's going to be there next week. The only way he's not going to be there unless is like unless he's dead. Um, so the match is still Moxley and Pack next week on a boat. On a boat. On a boat. 
so yeah, I thought this was a good episode of dynamite. Uh, nothing has topped the first episode of the year for me. Still. I thought that was a great episode. I think this was, I, I don't know if it was an improvement over last week. They felt kind of like on the same level. Mm-hmm. Um, it was good. Um, I don't know how I, I feel a little skewed because I, uh, uh, we normally record earlier in the day and we couldn't because of technical problems. So I, I went ahead and watched, uh, NXT from last night as well. And, uh, they just had a, a blow away show, uh, in my opinion, for the most part. So maybe I would be less skewed. I would, maybe I would have liked this show more if I hadn't already seen NXT. Usually I don't watch uh, NXT until a little bit later in the week, but I had the free time. So I watched it this morning and it was a great show. So maybe I would have, uh, thought higher of dynamite had I not seen the NXT already, but, uh, I thought it was a good episode this week, but yeah, uh, that may be a spoiler everybody for the, uh, the, my picks for who won the week on the next, uh, what comes next episode. So, uh, that could be an early spoiler there, but I'll have a few more days to ruminate on it before we get there. But yeah, oh, I thought this was a good episode. I was going to mention to you that I um, had, with my technical difficulties, I had to go find another stream of AEW, and I got to watch um, the Fight TV version where ah, everything yep. happened in between. At one point, I think it was during the women's match, JR spoiled one of the um, AEW dark matches accidentally. Oh, um, it was talking about Nyla Rose getting a win. He's like, oh, well, You'll see it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll eventually you guys will see it. I didn't say that on TV, so it doesn't count. Right. I, and I wasn't sure at first if it was on TV or not until I heard the, we're back. And I was like, oh, thank God that didn't happen on He's live TV. JR killing it, as always. <laughs> uh, oh, yay, yay. Okay, uh, so uh, that's the episode for this week. Uh, head on over to cinemageekly.com where you can check out the archives of the show. And, of course, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify. Just uh, just search for The Elitists. Hit subscribe, and that way you can hear us come back next time and talk about more AEW Dynamite on TNT. We're on a boat featuring Hangman Page and Kenny Omega challenging SCU for the AEW World Tag Team Championship. <laughs>